The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. Clap to the Lord. He's a good God. Come on now. <laughs> Woo! Yes, sir. Amen. Pastor Reed forgot to tell you because he's like me. He's a Johnson. He forgot to tell you. We're having communion next Tuesday. We're serving communion. So it's not just coming just to be. We're going we're gonna to celebrate Thanksgiving with communion next Tuesday night. And this is a wonderful time for Patty and I because it's time that we can just kind of share. Patty will be here with me. We'll be sharing our hearts of our thanks for this year, 2017. And what a joy. There's something I would like to tell you before I get started. Uh, I, I, I read about a, a lady that went to a, a, a pet shop and, and wanted to buy a parrot. And, and, the, and the owner of the pet shop said, now, this one's a good parrot. He talks well, but he's been raised by an owner that curses pretty bad. And so she said, well, I think I can fix that. And so she took that parrot home, and she put him in that new cage. He just let out some expletives. I mean, he was letting it fly. So she just took him real calmly, went and put him in the deep freeze <laughs> for five minutes. When she went to get him, brought him out, he was just shivering, just cold. She put him back on her, on her little perch, and he thawed out a little bit, and he started letting her have it. He's <laughs> cursing again, and so she said, okay, all right. She just took him real calmly, put him back in the deep freeze for 10 minutes. Got him out, and he was just... Mm, he was just about, he's about going under. But he did thaw out. Put him back in his cage and he flew into her. Just the worst she'd ever heard. By a human or a bird. She just calmly took him, put him back in there for 15 minutes. When she pulled him out this time, he was almost dead. He was almost dead. And she put him back on his perch and he didn't curse, but he said, I have a question. What did that turkey say? I thought y'all would like that on Thanksgiving time. <laughs> I thought y'all would like that. That's pretty cute, isn't it? I'd like to know what that turkey said. It's an honor to see all of you tonight, and we are on a series. This is the third week of it, and we're calling it 10,000 Reasons to be Grateful. And, uh, boy, we got a lot to be grateful for, don't we? It's an amazing time. It's an amazing God, and uh, there needs to be no time for non-gratitude ingratitude is a sin and it's time to be grateful uh, I, I am very happy to preach this tonight because uh, I'm going to I told Brother Octavius I'm going to get all up in this and tonight now I'm going to get all up in this I'm kind of whistling up here we got some new monitors and I'm kind of whistling and I'm the only pastor you'll ever see that don't want the, the mic turned up I want it turned down I really do because I don't, I don't, I don't need you to hear me more than you can bear. So, help me out a little bit. Take this little ring out if you don't mind, because it makes me not be able to talk good. I'll start talking hieroglyphics or something, you know. All right, you ready? Stand to your feet. You're awesome people, and I love you. I won't be long. I promise I won't be long. But I do want to preach and teach the gospel to you tonight. If you're a visitor, we welcome you. Thank you. I, I met some visitors at the door. Folks, we had 54 first-time visitors Sunday, 
that signed the cards. So that meant we probably had about 75 on Sunday. We had 2,250 people here on Sunday to worship the Lord. And then Sunday night, we had one of the most beautiful times, a beautiful time with <laughs> comedian John Christ. And I've got to have him come back just for the people that didn't get to go, didn't get to come. He was raised in the church by a pastor. And I never seen a man walk on the edge so much in my life and have me so tickled because he said what a pastor thinks. <laughs> he told me that. And I told him, I told him after church, uh, after the service, after church, after his performance on Sunday night, I said, you know, uh, something like this, because Austin was here. The city of Austin was here. The, they bought the tickets. We had 800 seats filled. It was a sellout crowd. And it was an awesome night. And, and I went back to him after, the, after it was over. They gave me a VIP badge, so I got to go back and see him. So you, you had, you, honestly, you had to have the first three rows. I mean, he sold $40 seats on these first three rows. This guy, this guy sells. So I went back and I said, you know what, you, you're, you've been a blessing to this church. You, you put our church on the map in a unique way. He said, well, we'll take about 2% of the 10% that you bring in. Just that quick. And I said, we'll, we'll see about that, okay? <laughs> well, what a joy to have him. He was, just a, he was just a fine young man. His dad's a pastor, and uh, he was very, very clean. And if you got to be here, I think there's about 35 of our church people was here. But I do want to say to all of our volunteers that worked here on Sunday, you made this church shine. You made this church shine. You really did. You really did. There's three things that people were bragging on. Number one was our volunteers. Number two was our cafe. And number three was our bathrooms with the soap that we use in our bathroom. I just think it's pretty neat. We're going to keep buying that soap. All right. Turn to somebody and say, I got 10,000 reasons. To be grateful. God bless you. You may be seated. <laughs> Rudyard Kipling was a, a best-selling English author at the turn of the 19th century. He wrote one of the best books for children of all time entitled The Jungle Book, and he also wrote a poem called Gunga Den. He made a tremendous amount of money with his writings, and the newspaper reporter came up to him one time and said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated the money you make from your writings amount to over $100 a word. Kipling raised his eyebrows and said, really? I wasn't aware of that. And the reporter cynically reached into his pocket, pulled out a $100 bill, gave it to Kipling and said, here, here's a $100 bill, Mr. Kipling. Now give me one of your $100 words. And Rudyard Kipling looked at the $100 bill for a moment, took it, folded, put it in his pocket and simply said, thanks. <laughs> thanks is more than a $100 word. It's a million-dollar word. It's a two-million-dollar word. It's one word that's too seldom heard, too rarely spoken, and too often forgotten. I have a pet peeve. I'm going to tell you one of my pet peeves. When you hold a door open for somebody or you stop the traffic and let somebody come in out of a parking lot onto your lane. <laughs> and I'm very kind about that. And I don't get a wave. Or I don't get a, a nod or a... I'm not asking somebody to say, hallelujah, just a nod, just a wave, just, or a thank you. It's only right when you open a door for somebody, for somebody to say thanks, because you're opening a new horizon to them. You're opening up something on the other side. A few months ago, I was in a place and held a door open for eight people. 
there was a line coming in, eight people, and not one person of that eight said thanks. And when they got in with the greatest spirit I've ever had in my life, I said, you're all welcome. <laughs> Let me tell you something. God's opening horizons for this church and new experiences for us individually. And when you don't enter with thanksgiving, you cannot go beyond surface relationship. You've got to have thanksgiving. It's gratitude that opens the doors to the living quarters in the house of God. Saying thank you builds relationships while an ungrateful heart closes doors. Psalm chapter 69 verse 30 and 31 said, I will praise the name of God with a song. And I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Verse 31, this also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bull which has horns and hooves. In the Old Testament time, folks, the greatest sacrifice you could bring was an ox or a bull with its hooves. But David said, my thanksgiving means more to him than any sacrifice. Note the bull has horns. It's fully grown. And therefore, it's more valuable than just a calf. My gratitude, he said, means more than my greatest sacrifice. My gratitude means more than my greatest sacrifice. My attitude behind worship is more important than my act of worship. The reason that I worship is more important than why I worship, than my worship. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people in church that worship worship. But every now and then, you just need to have your own self-private soliloquy with God. And say, God, I'm not praising God because my sister over here is, because the pastor's encouraging it. I just want to praise you because you're my God. And I love you from the bottom of my heart. Psalms chapter 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. You've got to learn to say thank you before you can say please. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. Come on, somebody say thank you, Lord. And now come into his courts with praise. Say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Judges chapter 2, verse 7 through 10. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance in timnath Harris, in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. And when all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Another generation arose. In preparing for this series of gratitude, Joshua is one of the biblical characters who come to mind because he was a man whose life exemplifies giving thanks in all things, even the bad things. It's a testament to the holdings on to your dream and maintaining a grateful attitude, it'll bring you through any situation. And yet in my text, we read where not long after Joshua's death and the death of the generation, I'm going to put it again, that another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the works which he had done. Imagine that. From one generation to the next, all that God had done for Israel, forgotten. Not only had they forgotten what God had done, they had also forgotten the God that had done it. How? How do you lose so much in one generation of time? 
in gratitude. Not in gratitude, but in gratitude. You lose the gratitude of what God has done. I shared with you that gratitude is never invisible or silent last week. I preached very strongly, let the redeemed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord. Tonight I want to make sure that you know a couple of more things about gratitude. Number one, gratitude sustains joy and blessings. Look at somebody and say, the sustainer is gratitude. Somewhere in there, God's people failed to be grateful. All by failing to be grateful, they were unable to sustain the joy and the blessings of what God had done. God knows us, and he knows we have short memory loss. We tend to forget the miracles and the blessings of God in our lives, and it becomes yesterday's news. That's why God instructed over and over for Israel to establish an annual feast to commemorate a specific moment or a miracle. Every feast was for the purpose of sustaining appreciation and the joy of God's blessing. There were seven of them. The last one was the Feast of Tabernacles. And they were to build booths made of branches and trees and erected on the flat roots of the roofs of their houses. It was reminding them of the days when their fathers dwelt in booths in wilderness. But God said, I want gratitude on your rooftop. I don't want you to shout from the streets. I want you to get on top of the roof and I want you to shout. I want you to stand tall as you can stand on the roof of your house and say, this is the day the Lord has made. It was not that long ago that one Sunday here on a Sunday morning, there were two women, not just one, but two women had walked into this church with dead fetuses in their body. Dead fetuses. And we prayed for both of them. One was to have a cleansing on Monday to take the baby out. The other was to be go to the hospital on Tuesday to take, get rid of her baby. But when the one went on Monday, she called back and said, My baby is alive. Now hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. The next day, the, 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 the married lady went with her husband and they said, The baby is alive, there will be. And both of those women carried those babies full term. And those children are alive today. They're alive today. They're alive today. They're alive today. That ought to make you shout until Jesus comes. There's an Old Testament word, Hebrew, called dinu. If he never does anything else for us in our life, we have seen enough to praise him all the rest of our lives. A sweet lady walked in the church on Sunday morning. We prayed for a hole in the heart of an unborn baby. There was a hole in the baby's heart. We prayed. She went to the doctor. The doctor said the hole is healed. Somebody needs to get on top of your roof and praise him. Well, things are not good right now. Praise him anyhow. Hallelujah. It was the same with the 12 stones in the Jordan River, Joshua 4, verse 6 and 7. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial, a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So let me ask you something. If your children aren't asking, why do we do this? Or why do we commemorate this? And why do we worship? And why do we praise? And why do we say thanks? You're not building memorials in your life. 
they, they need to know why you celebrate Thanksgiving. Because gratitude sustains the blessing. Say it with me. Gratitude sustains the blessing. That piano has a sustain pedal. It carries on the note. It puts on an after effect to the music. You hit a note without a sustain pedal, it'll just die. But you sustain the pedal and that note will carry and carry and carry. Gratitude enables you to relive the blessing over and over and over again. How many remember the night that you were lost and Jesus found you? How many remember the night when he took you down and we took you down in water and baptized and you arose in the likeness of Jesus Christ? How many remember? How many remember a night when Jesus healed your family, brought your family back together? You need to push the sustain pedal in your life and hold on to that and praise him every day for it because God is good all the time. Somebody help me preach right now. Grateful people keep their blessing. Offended people replay the offense over and over in their mind. Grateful people replay, replay the blessing over and over again in their mind. It's not because God needs repeat praise, but because we need to relive the blessing. Amen? Number two, grateful people can find a blessing, enlarge a blessing, or create a blessing in almost any situation. Hallelujah. I love this screen right here. I never get to see it till I turn my back on you. But it's sure nice. Amen. The people in the balcony can see that. If you can't see that, you need to go see an optometrist. <laughs> but if that's true about people that are grateful, the opposite is true of negative people. They can find a problem. They can enlarge a problem. They can create a problem in almost any situation. Some folks are just stink factories. It doesn't matter what you put them in, stink comes out. Doesn't matter if you give them blessings, stink comes out. I got a raise, congratulations, now I have to pay more taxes. I wish summer was here, it's too cold. I wish winter was here, it's too hot. Just can't get happy. Some folks take whatever they've been given and spin it into gold. And that's the kind of people that need to be a part of Christian Life Church because God has been good to us. Your situation does not have to improve for your gratitude to increase. Oh, I love this. Quit mourning over what you've lost and focus on what you have left. Can I preach a little bit? In the healing of the ten lepers that Reed mentioned the first week, Jesus does not reach out and touch them. He just says, be healed. I mean, he doesn't say be healed. He just says, go show yourself to the priest. Forgive me. He was telling them to act as if they were healed and they were healed. Some people need to start acting like that you're healed. Amen. In faith, they started out and they were healed on the way. The ten who acted in faith were healed, but just one came back and praised God and was grateful. You know why he came back? He was a Samaritan. He couldn't get in the court. He wasn't a Jew. Couldn't get there. So he said, I think I'll go back to the one that did this and just praise him for it. Jesus said, we're the nine. We could assume that he felt hurt because nobody thanked him, but I think he was disappointed for another reason. 
He tells the leper who came back, your faith has made you whole. Say whole. Ten were healed, but only one was made whole. And that's far more important to the Lord than just healing you. Amen. He wants you whole. The point is, I believe that unless gratitude is a part of our nature, we can never be whole people. When Jesus heals you, when Jesus saved you, when Jesus brought you out, you need to keep an attitude of gratitude for the rest of your life. Let other people just be healed. You say, I want to be made whole by the presence of God. I'm going to praise Him. Come on. If ingratitude is more deadly than leprosy, they were in worse shape than before. Only one came back and was made whole. You may have heard the story of the man who was betrayed by his friend. He went to him and asked, how could you do this to me? How could you betray me? I picked you up out of the gutter. I gave you your first job. Who lent you money and bailed you out of jail? And the reply was, you did, that's true, but what have you done for me lately? I think sometime we hold God hostage. He has done so much for us. He has been such a good God to us. Some of you didn't have a job the first of the year. Now you got a job. Some of you didn't have a hope the first of the year of getting a job. Now you have a job. Some of you didn't have a hope of having what you have right now. This has been a good year for you. You know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of getting to the end of the year and saying, you know what? Nothing happened that year. We've had a great year in 2017. This church has grown gloriously in 2017. We had over 540 people in third service Sunday. You tell me that God's not blessing us and God's not blessing this church. How can you look around and see what God's doing and say, I'm ungrateful. I cannot find gratitude in my heart. Let me tell you something. Not every year when it ends is a bad year to end. We need to leave this, this end of this year saying, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to walk out of this year in gratitude. I'm going to walk into my new year in gratitude. I'm going to walk through Thanksgiving. I'm going to walk through Christmas. I may not have enough to buy things for Christmas, but I'm going to be happy with what I have. Oh, let me preach to you. I love the story of the immigrant storekeeper whose son came to him and said, Dad, I don't understand how you run your store. You keep your accounts payable in a cigar jar, a cigar box. Your accounts receivable are on a spindle. And all your cash is in the register. And you never know what your profits are. He said, son, let me tell you something. When I arrived in this land, I, all I owned was one pair of pants that I was wearing. Now your sister's an art teacher. Your brother's a doctor and you're a CPA. Your mother and I own a house, a couple of cars, and this little store. Add all that up and subtract the pants and you got the profit. Can somebody get happy about God? Can somebody get happy about God? Can somebody get happy about God? Come on now. Hallelujah. Woo. Mm. A whole person has a sense of gratitude for any and all good fortune. This leper came back praising God. And yet he still had some enormous problems. Let me give you some of his problems. His leprosy was healed. But he had been living as an outcast with no family and no job. He had no home and no village. But he was healed and made whole. Yet he's praising God even in the midst of his unsolved problems. 
Can I tell you something? God will never make it 100%. You'll always be less than 100%. Because when you get to 100%, he'll go ahead and take you out of here. You'll always be on the downside. But listen to me. You can praise him like you're on the plus side. Somebody asked me, how are you doing? I said, I'm on the top side of it. That means that I'm living on the top side of everything God has for me. No, I have not achieved to where I want to achieve. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, I reach for the cause and the prize that's before me. I'm telling you, I'm going to praise him. I'll tell you what I have done. I've got kids eating bluebell in this church. I wish I could get you to be as thankful as I've got kids eating bluebell. I had about seven of them come by me. I ate bluebell today. I had bluebell today. I wish somebody walked by me on Sunday and say, Pastor, I'm grateful today. This is going to be a great Thanksgiving season for my family and I because God's been good to me. He's been good to me. Ephesians 5 says, Giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. Giving thanks to First Thessalonians said, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And Romans eight twenty eight says, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who, those who are called according to his purpose. Everybody say, Each of us, each of us has, a has a problem right now. Right now. Nobody, Nobody still living, still living. is problem-free. Problem so how can we praise God in that present problem? Don't answer that. Well, we do not say with the Christian scientists that there is no problem, no pain, no illness, no sin. First, we Christians believe that sin abounds. So we hurt people and we're hurt by people and the pain and the illness and the grief and the struggle. Second, we can't pretend it's fun to have a painful problem. That's masochism. If you enjoy your problem, you're weird. <laughs> Focus on rather on Focus rather on the belief that God is bigger than the problem and is present right now in the middle of this painful thing you're caught up in. So you need to say, God, I praise you. You're bigger than the mess I'm in. In whatever state you are, you can learn to praise God. The point is nobody has it all. If you're single, you have certain privileges that us married people don't have. Like, you may doubt that, but it's true. You're in control of your life. You eat, sleep. On your own timetable, you're free to travel where you like to travel. I can't do that. <laughs> but being married is a great blessing, but there are problems. The point is you can choose to focus on the negative or you can choose to focus on the positive of every situation. You can say, whatever circumstances I'm in right now, married, single, married to the wrong person, whatever, I praise you, Lord. <laughs> Because you're bigger, you caught that, didn't you, than the mess I'm in right now. I told this story several years ago. It's an old story. Many of you may have heard it, but I'm going to tell it again because it's Thanksgiving time. Two men, both seriously ill, occupied the same hospital room. And one man was allowed to sit up in his bed for an hour each afternoon to help drain the fluid from his lungs. And the bed was next to the room's only window, and the other man had to spend his time flat of his back. Two men talked for hours on end. They were dear friends. And they spoke of their wives and their families and their homes, their jobs, their involvement in the military service and that, where they'd been on vacations. And every afternoon when the man in the bed by the window could set up, he would pass the time by describing to his roommate all the things he could see outside the window. 
and the man in the other bed began to live for those one-hour periods where his world would be broadened and enlivened by all the activities and color of the world outside. And the window overlooked a park with a lovely lake, and ducks and swans played in the water while children sailed their model boats. And young lovers walked arm in arm amidst flowers and every color and fine view of the city skyline could be seen in the distance. And as the man by the window described all these exquisite details, the man in the other side of the room would close his eyes and imagine the picturesque scene. And one warm afternoon, the man by the window described a parade passing by, and although the man could not hear the band, he could see in his mind's eyes the gentleman by the window portrayed it with descriptive words. Days passed. And one morning, the day nurse arrived to bring water for their baths, only to find the lifeless body of the man by the window, who had died peacefully in his sleep. And as soon as it seemed appropriate, the other man asked if he could be moved next to the window. The nurse was happy to make the switch, and after making sure he was comfortable, she left him alone. Painfully, slowly, he propped himself up on one elbow and take his first look at the real world. It faced a blank wall. The man asked the nurse what could have compelled his deceased roommate, who had described such wonderful things outside the window, and the nurse responded that the man was blind, and he couldn't even see the wall. We're people of sensation sometimes, but God is a God of seed. Hear me. I need help, we say to God, so he gives you a word. We need provision, so he gives you a promise. The key is worshiping over the promise and over the seed, even when you haven't received it yet. Oh, I wish I could preach right now. I wish somebody let me preach right now. I wish somebody let me preach right now. Can you dance on a partial phrase? Or do you have to have the whole phrase given to you? Can you dance on just a foundation? Can you worship without the building being built? Can you shout when God just gives you a word or a seed? Can you praise him when he just gives you a promise? Do you have to be delivered or can you praise him because he's God and he gave you a promise and you can come out of that situation? I'm here to tell you something. It's time for this congregation to not wait till it all unfolds. But when God gives you a word, stand to your feet and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will say of the Lord, he's my God. In him will I trust. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. Hallelujah. 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 Mm. Glory. Be seated. Glory. I'm almost done. The key is worshiping over a promise or a seed. Now, let me, let, Can you get excited over an unfinished work? Six times in Genesis, folks, and I close with this tonight. Six times in Genesis, God did something and then stopped and threw himself a party. First day, God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
And God saw the light that it was good. And God said, let's have a party. <laughs> the second day, he divided the firmness from the firmaments. He divided the waters from the waters. And he called the firmament that was above heaven. Can I tell you something? Before he ever gave you something to stand on, he gave you a place to go to. No, you didn't get that. Let me say it again. Before he ever gave you a terra firma, he gave you a place to go to. Because it don't matter what the terra firma does. There's a God that gave you a heaven, a place of glory for your life hereafter. And he threw himself a party. On the third day, he caused the dry land to appear. Now he gave you a place to stand, but he had you a place to go to before you had a place to stand. He stood on that land and all the herb-bearing seeds, and he planted the plants that would bless us. And It was the third day. It was the third day that he planted the seed that would sprout out of the ground. It was the third day he came out of the grave victorious. Jesus did. So he gave the herb bearing seed and after that third day he said that's good and then he gave himself a party <laughs> I learned a new step Gabriel I learned a new step I'm sorry I'm not trying to show out I'm just excited because I'm telling you about a God that threw himself a party every day he said that's good on the fourth day he caused a greater light and he called the lesser light to rule the day and to rule the night. Hallelujah. And he divided night and day. And he said, let's have another party. That's good. On the fifth day, he said, see, I want you to, I want you to, 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 to create. I want, some, I want some fish in the sea. I want some whales down there. I want some little guppies so the whales can eat the little guppies. I want some things in this thing. I want, I want, some, I want the sea to produce. I just want it to produce. And after he got through, he said, that's good. Let's have another party. And on the sixth day, he, 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 ca he caused the, 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 the beast on the dry land to appear. He created all of them. And at the end of the sixth day, he said, let us make man our image. After our likeness. So he created man his own image and after his own likeness. And when that man stood up, he said, now that's very good. Here's the point. Here's the point. It doesn't matter how far you are from the completion You need to throw yourself parties of gratitude. Oh, it's better than good. That's not me. That's the Bible. But that's better than good. You get a hold of that in your spirit, hell can't take that gratitude away from you. Hey, I may not be where I want to be, but I see the light already. I may not be where I want to be, but I know there's a heaven waiting on me. I may not be where I want to be, but I know there's a terra firma under me. I may not be where I want to be, but I know there's some seed being planted in my life. And I'm going to grow, and I'm going to grow, and I'm going to prosper in the kingdom of God. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm, I know there's a, there's a light in the day, and God's going to see me through the night with a lesser light. And I understand that I'll never be in total darkness because God made it on the fourth day. Hallelujah! 
Hallelujah. On the fifth day, he made the, he made the fish of the sea and all those things. He said, I'm going to take care of you. And on the sixth day, he made the beast of the field. And when God got through, he said, let's all get in a circle now. Let's have a great party. And so I want to celebrate Thanksgiving because I don't have all the answers and I don't have everything that I need in my life. But I do have a God that I am grateful to and grateful for because he is a good God. He is a good God. If you don't learn to say it's good after a minor situation, you'll be held hostage waiting on the major to happen. Verse 31, God looked over all that he had made. He said, that's very good. And when you can say it's very good, you've learned a gratitude like nobody's business. We need that kind of gratitude. Luke 15 says, in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner, one sinner repents. Now I want to stop here because there's people been in the church a long time and it takes a lot to move some people sometimes that's been in the church a long time. Because we get accustomed to the things of God. And I, I'm, not, I'm not preaching negative now. We just get accustomed to those things. Well, you know, back in 56, I saw that. You know, it happened here, but I saw that in 56. And I used to preach at a church, and when I'd get through with a little revelation that God had given me or a little illumination, somebody would come up and said, that ain't new to me. I've heard that before. And I said, well, it was new to me, and that's why I got excited and preached it. I'd like to say God delivered me from that church. <laughs> Hallelujah. This church is one of the most hungry churches I've ever pastored in my life. I've preached all over the country and around the world. And this church has a third world hunger for the things of God. Amen. There's a faith in this church that's second to none. God's got great, great plans for this church. But we hadn't seen them yet. I will tell you this, that we've got our plot plan approved by the city in record time. The building can go where it's supposed to go on this property. And that's a, that's a miracle right there. Can you get excited over a plot plan? I know, I, I know there's more than repentance. I know there's more than just confessing the Lord. I know that. I know that. We've got to take people to another level. I know that. But can't we get excited over people just walking in our church? Can't we just praise him for people just walking in our church and seeing them come to this altar and raise their hand and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Deliver me, Lord. Can't we get, if heaven rejoices over that, and they've been rejoicing for a longer time than we have, can't we rejoice with the angels of heaven over somebody repenting? Come on, can we do that? I know, I know that we're going to baptize them. I know that they're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to want the Holy Ghost in their life. But we need to praise God for every little thing he does. And when we do, when we do, God's spirit will be poured out on this church in abundance. Because gratitude, gratitude is the most awful, awesome spirit that you can live with in your life. And I'm done. Clap your hands and rejoice right now. Hallelujah. 
Well, that about sums up what I've got to say. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want you to I want you to just think of something here. I, I uh, had an old preacher man one time come up to me, and he said, son, what are you grateful for? And I said, everything. He said, no, I need a specific. What are you grateful for? And I said, well, uh, I couldn't think of nothing. I said, air. He said, that's good. What else? I said, water. That's good. What else? He had me name about 20 things. And when I finally got through, he said, you know who gave you all those? I said, yeah. He said, all you need to do is just be grateful to a God that gives you all things. You don't have to be grateful for air and water. That's there. Just be grateful to the God that provides it for you. And he taught me a lesson. He really he taught me a lesson because I was a kid. I was a kid. That after a while you just kind of get you kind of get used to the to the things of church. You kind of get used to them. And you kind of get kind of dragged down into them and you just get into this kind of sluggish way of living and you lose the spontaneity of praise and you lose the volume of your worship and you lose the gratitude of your soul and you let the problems get bigger than the promise. And you need to just say, in the simplest of terms, what am I grateful for? need to say well I got up this morning that's something to be grateful for what am I grateful for well I got a great family that's something to be grateful for what am I grateful for well I got a I got a church that I can go to on Wednesday night and Sunday and have the presence of God in my life time after time that's something to be grateful for and I will tell you this as long as there's breath in my body this is my this is my thanksgiving thought to you because next Tuesday Patty and I are just going to share our hearts and our thanks to you on Thanksgiving Eve on the Tuesday night before Thanksgiving. There won't be a sermon that night. We're going to have communion and Patty and I are going to share our hearts. And we've got some things to tell you. Some things that's happened in our life this year. Some things that have transpired that we thank God for. And I want you to know something. Every one of you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed can think of something that God has done. Get your mind off the negative and get it on the positive. God has been good to you this year. He's been good to you this year. He may not have healed a hole in the heart of, a, of, of an expectant mother's baby. He may not have done that, but he's been good to you this year. He's provided food on your table. He's blessed you. He's blessed you this year. He's provided a job for you. He's provided hope for you. He's given you a reason to live. He's given you a, a strength that is beyond comprehension to go through the things you've had to go through. But God's grace has been sufficient. Can you say amen to that? He's been sufficient. And so with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to lift your hands just about halfway up. Lift your hands about halfway up. And I want you to say this, God, I am so grateful for your healing and your salvation and your miracle working power in my life. I thank you for saving me, for lifting me and blessing my life. And I will never ever lose my gratefulness I will be grateful 
all the days of my life because being whole is better than being healed and I want to be whole and gratitude makes me whole thank you for it thank you for it thank you for every promise thank you for every seed thank you for every word thank you for every time you have lifted my spirits and I enter this Thanksgiving season not in stress not in loneliness not in pain not in hurt not in feeling all alone but knowing that I have a God that is with me and I will bless you with my gratitude in Jesus name Clap your hands real big all over.